Good afternoon. Uh, for those of you who don't know me, I'm Charles Davis. I'm one of the pastoral interns here, and it's my joy and privilege uh, to bring God's Word to you. We're continuing our series through John, and it's our custom here to stand for the reading of God's Word, so I'd like to ask you to stand. We do that because we're uh, hearing God speak to us, so it's out of reverence for Him. So if you would follow along in John 15, beginning at verse 1 to 17. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does, not, does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean, because of the word of which I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As a branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, it is he that bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, than someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends, if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servants does not, servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my Father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, But I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide. So that whatever you ask in my name, he may give. So whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you so that you will love one another. Thus far, the reading of God's word. Please be seated. This is God's word. (laughs) Uh, Let's pray. Father, thank you so much uh, for bringing us here. Lord, we know your word has power and your gospel is the message of life. Lord, I pray that this message goes out. Lord, it would encourage us that, Lord, our hearts would be lifted to uh, Christ and our minds would be built up. And, Lord, we would be reminded of the mercy and grace that we have in you. I pray this in Christ's name and for his sake. Amen. Well, a couple days ago, I was listening to um, This American Life. Uh, It is a podcast put on by NPR. And uh, this episode was about, it was called Ask a Grown-Up. So it's about these kids that were uh, posting questions to grown-ups. A lot of these were celebrities. And they were asking all sorts of of questions, usually in in regards to relationship advice, but, but just life advice. 
And one kind of recurring theme that was, that was coming back, uh, that was brought forward was these kids were um, impressed, regardless of what these adults were telling them, um, what they were impressed with was that uh, these, um, these people had their back, that they supported them, that they cared for them. They showed their care to them by what they said and the, the attitude they had and how, how personal they were in their advice. That no matter what they said, they, they were struck by the, the fact that they had their back. Now, why do I bring that up? Well, we know as Christians that, that God cares for us, that God loves us. We, we affirm that. We know that, that God has saved us, that God is, is merciful to us because of, of Jesus and that God is, is with us. But there are some circumstances and sometimes in our life where the situations that we're experiencing are, are difficult, they're painful, they're stressful, we, we're struggling. And it's in those moments that we question and we wonder, does, does God still have my back? Does God still care for me? Because it doesn't, it doesn't seem like he does. It doesn't appear to me that he is, he is with me, that he cares for me. My, my situation doesn't, doesn't show me that. And perhaps that's you. Perhaps you're experiencing the stresses of life, the struggles of life, um, no matter how hard uh, you, you work, uh, your, your marriage isn't improving, your, your kids aren't less um, rebellious, uh, your work isn't less stressful. You know, it's in these moments that we, we, we question and wonder, is, is God still there for me? Does God still care for me? And maybe you're here and you're, you're so burdened by your, your sin and, and the struggles of, of, of temptation that you wonder that maybe once God did care for you, but he doesn't anymore. That God no longer has uh, your back. That God no longer cares for you because you've lost that or you've, you've disappointed him enough or sinned against him enough for him to remove that from you. And so in both of those cases, I feel like we're, we're tempted to either, either just walk away and just say, if, if God is not there for me, if God doesn't care for me, then I, I really don't want anything to do with him. Or the, the shame and the, the guilt of, of, of our sin is keeping us from from worshiping him, from coming to him, and, and coming in regardless of where we are, regardless of what we are experiencing, knowing that we will find um, grace and acceptance. Now I bring that up because but Jesus is, is calling us. Jesus is calling us to, to remain in him. Jesus is calling us to, to abide in him. And I want those things to be in the back of our minds of, of what we experience and the temptations we have in life and, and what that means for us, what that looks like in, in our life. So the main thing that, that John or that Jesus is, is, is bringing to us, the main idea is that in a world that is withering and dying, we are called to remain in Jesus, the only source of life and sustenance, so that we might bear fruit of love for one another. In a world that is withering and dying, we are called to remain in Jesus, the only source of life and sustenance, so we, we might bear the fruit of love for one another. And there are three points or, or, or things I want to I bring up. First is uh, the vine of life. Who is the vine of life? What, what that means for us. The life of the vine is the second point. And then the third is the love that comes or stems from the vine. So the vine of life, life in the vine, and the love that stems from that line. First, the vine of life. So Jesus says, I, I am the vine. Why does he say, 
of all the things he could have decided or, or picked from, what, what, what is it about the vine that is, is significant to Jesus? Well, what Jesus is doing, as we've seen in, in other points of, of what Jesus says about himself, this is about himself, uh, this is the eighth uh, I am statement of, of Jesus. We've, we've looked at all the other uh, seven that he claims about himself. And what Jesus is doing is he, he's pulling back these Old Testament prophecies and promises that are about him and, and pointing them to himself and, and saying these, these things that were spoken of long ago are about me. And this, is, this case is no different. In the Old Testament, the, the idea of a vine or a vineyard was, was used often to, to signify blessing. Signify, signify abundance, signify provision and sustenance and just a, a joyful life. And so there are points in Scripture where Jesus, or God is using the, the term of a vine or vineyard to, to speak of the promise of, of life that's, that's to come. Like in Isaiah uh, 27, uh, 2 through 6, specifically in verse 6, he says, uh, the prophet says, in those days to come, Jacob shall take root. Israel shall blossom and put forth shoots and fill the whole world with fruit. And then Ezekiel 17 is another prophecy where uh, Israel, who once was the, the vine that was producing the fruit of, of, of righteousness, had departed from that. They disobeyed the Lord. They were brought into exile. And what the, the prophet says, that there's going to be a new vine brought, that this vine will, will never fail, that this vine will will never be um, destroyed. That this, is, this is the vine of, of life that will bring, bring life and blessing to all of those who, who are under its shade. It's this idea of this coming vine, this future, this future vine of blessing. And so it's hard for us as, as believers now, thousands of years removed from when, when Jesus is speaking, because he's speaking to these, these Jewish people who had these in the back of their mind, that for years they had been waiting for this. They, for years they had been looking forward to this, this future blessing that would come from God. Their time of exile, their time of wandering, their time of pain would be over, and that blessing and life would come. So they had all this anticipation built up uh, from this. Um, so so when Jesus, Jesus takes that and he says, this, this is about me, that he's pointing to, to himself, how, how revolutionary that must have been. That Jesus isn't just coming and, and just kind of starting from ground zero and writing the playbook. He's, he's bringing all these promises and Old Testament prophecies about himself, and he's continuing, and he's saying, this is all about me. And so he's pointing to himself and saying, this, I am the vine. I, I am the one who's, who's come. I am the one who is that promise uh, blessing from the Lord. He is the eternal source of, of life and of, of blessing. He is the, the hope that Israel has been, been waiting for. And he is the one who God's people can, can find rest and peace. But he also says that there's, there's he, he points to himself, he says, I, I'm the vine, but he says, I'm the true vine, meaning that there's outside of me, that there's no other uh, source of life and abundance and blessing. There's actually death outside of me. There's actually death outside of the vine. He makes a statement in verse 5. He says, apart from me, you can do nothing. How's that for our Western ears? I mean, you can't tell me what I, what I can. I cannot do, Jesus. Like, I do what I want. <laughs> like, you know, but, but so it's a bold claim that Jesus is making that, that there's nothing outside 
that can give you life. Apart from me, you're, you're unable to, to do anything. Nothing can give you that life. Only, only I can. So we cannot find life outside uh, the vine. No matter how far we, we seek, no matter what we look for, no matter how much those things promise us uh, peace, no matter how much those things promise us life, uh, it will only bring disappointment and more pain. And he also makes these statements of, of producing fruit. Those, those who will not uh, produce fruit will be burned. He, he talks about in verse 6 how he'll, he'll cast out uh, the withered plant and it'll be uh, thrown into the fire and burned. Now we've spoken about things like this where, where Jesus makes these statements that are, that are somewhat scary, that make us think like, have I, have I reached this point? Am I the, the vine or am I the, the, the plant that doesn't produce fruit and am I... Uh, worthy of being uh, cast out? Is that the future um, that is, is before me? Well, again, Jesus is, is pulling out uh, images in the, in the Old Testament where uh, God prophesies those who, who do not produce fruit will be cast in the fire and burned, like at the, end, the beginning of uh, Ezekiel 15. And it is a sobering reality, and it's, and it's something we need to, to consider. However, oftentimes when we come to these things, we end up looking at ourselves and, and examining our own hearts and looking deep into ourselves and wonder, okay, am I, am I good to go? Am I, am I, uh, do, do I fit the mold? Am I um, okay before God dies? Now, I don't, I don't want to discourage that. The Bible does call us to examine ourselves, examine our lives, and make sure that we're, we're following after Him. However, if we're just continuing to look at ourselves, if we're continuing to find hope in ourselves and what, what we um, do, then that's, that just leads to, to, to more doubt, to more discouragement, and more pain. And Jesus makes these claims of, of, of if this, then this. So what, is, what does that mean? Is Jesus saying if I, if I live a certain way, if I, if I follow all of his, his commands, that, that I will have life? Well, Jesus does not mean, what Jesus is not saying is that uh, in order to earn his favor, we must do something. We must give something back to him. In order to earn his, his grace and, and mercy, we have to, to give something to God. We affirm and believe strongly that we are accepted before God and we're welcomed into his presence, not based on our works, but based on what Christ has done. There's nothing that we can do to, to earn that favor. So what Jesus, Jesus isn't saying that in order to earn my favor, you must fulfill these certain requirements. What Jesus is saying is, is that we should be, be looking uh, to him for that life. We should know that we have life and abundance in, in him. We don't have life in and of, our, of ourselves. But there's also a tension here because Jesus calls us to abide. Jesus calls us to remain in him. Jesus calls us to continue to, to follow after him. Theologians call, call this perseverance of the saints, meaning that um, I just lost my train of thought, excuse me. <clears throat> perseverance of the saints. Meaning that in order uh, we must, we shouldn't just uh, depend our, on our own works, meaning that Excuse me, 
I just completely lost my train of thought. <laughs> Perseverance of the saints is, is what it, it means that God is the one that keeps us in Him. God is the one that, that maintains our faith and our life. However, the, the commands of Scripture to follow after Him, that God gives us these commands to, to abide in Him, to seek Him, to follow after Him, that doesn't mean we're, we're dependent um, on, on those works, but it, it shows that the Spirit is at work in our hearts. That the Spirit is the one that, that is working in our hearts and producing um, these, these fruits, but it's God the, is the one that's, that's maintaining us. It's God, is, God is the one who is, who is keeping us uh, in Him. But there are things that God has, has given us that we're not, we're not fending for ourselves. We're not left alone in this. This is why we have things like church membership. That through these times of, of struggle, through these times of, of, of temptation, that we're, tempt, 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 we're tempted to depart from the Lord, that uh, he's given us things like membership to uh, put us under the authority of the church, to put us under the leadership of the church, and also to put us in fellowship with believers so that there's accountability, so there's discipleship, so there's, there's growth and there's men that have been pointed by God and put there by God to, to affirm uh, God's work in you, to, to uh, do that process of, of examination. Um, God has given us his word to, to encourage us. It's, it's the word that, that fills us with life. It's not to look at ourselves. It's, it's to, to hear the word of God, God's grace, um, to you, to look outside of ourselves and to look to Jesus. And there's hope that God, God gives us. Jesus, Jesus finishes uh, this portion in verse 16. He says, you did not choose me, but I chose you. So there's an element here, yet, yes, we, we are called to, to abide. We're called to remain in, in Jesus. But there's also a behind-the-scenes element that Jesus is keeping us in him. Then in John uh, 10, uh, 28, Jesus says that um, I and the Father are one, and I, and I hold my sheep in my hand, and no one is able to snatch them um, out of my hand. So Jesus is the one that, that keeps us in him, that keeps us from wandering away. So no matter, no matter what happens, no matter what we go through, we'll continue in the faith. We'll continue and we'll press on, albeit imperfectly, that Jesus isn't saying in order to to, to have my love, you must fulfill these things. Um, but what, instead, what we're to do is to continue to persevere, to continue to, to follow after him. And the second thing is to, to keep in mind that all of us, no matter where we are, no matter what we've done, whether we feel like our life is a mess or not, all of us deserve to be cast out. All of us deserve to be cut off by God. All of us deserve to be thrown in the fire and burned. And we know that when Jesus, Jesus came, Jesus is, is that vine, but he's also the vine that was cast out for us. He's also the vine that was cut off and, and burned for us in the wrath of God. So that when we're putting our faith and our trust in him, even though we sin and we struggle, and at times, even at times we, we wander off, that God is, is gracious to, to keep us in him, and, and God is, is gracious to forgive us of our sins. So don't allow the shame and guilt, don't allow those things to, 
to keep you from following after Him, to keep you from to looking to Him for, for that mercy and, and grace. And don't allow your shame to keep you from coming here and worshiping, worshiping the Lord, uh, coming here and, and hearing the Word uh, preached, and coming here and fellowshipping uh, with, with believers. So what does this life uh, that we have in the vine look like? This is the second point. The life of, of the vine. So Jesus is the vine, but there's all, what is the life of the vine? What does that look like for us? First off, if we, are, we are friends of Jesus. Jesus says in, in verse um, 14 and 15, he says in verse 15, a slave doesn't know uh, what his master is doing. What does that mean? He, he uses this idea of a, a slave and a master, this kind of impersonal relationship where you're serving, but it, it lacks that, that personal, that, that familial, that, that friendship. There's a social boundary that shouldn't be crossed. And so the slave doesn't, doesn't know his, his master in a personal way. Um, and what Jesus is saying is, no longer do I call you this. No longer are you, you servants. You are your friends. You're friends of God. We have a unique relationship with God that, that allows us to come before him. And a servant doesn't have that, that kind of access. We, we can come before God knowing that we're, we're welcomed in his presence. Knowing that we're welcomed before God because, because we are friends of, of Jesus. And there's, there's personal care that the fear of, of punishment, the fear of, of being cast out is, is removed because Jesus uh, welcomes us in. So we don't have to worry or be shunned. And this is revolutionary because we know as if, if we are honest with ourselves that we don't deserve that mercy. In fact, the Scriptures talk about how we are enemies of Christ without, without God's grace. But left to our own, we are, we are enemies of God. We are disobedient uh, sinners, like in Romans 5.10. So think of how revolutionary that sounds. That it, Jesus is saying that despite all of these things, you are my friends. You are friends of God, and because of that, we have, we have this special access to God. And that's another part of our life as Christians, the life in the vine, that we have this special access of, uh, to God through prayer. Jesus says in verse uh, 7 and 16 of how whatever you ask the Father in my name, I will give to you. Now what does that mean? We looked at this in the past and it, it, it doesn't mean that Jesus is just going to give whatever we ask of him. Now we can affirm that, and I think, and I think we do. We know that Jesus isn't going to give us a Ferrari if we put, pray for a Ferrari. But it's, it's, it gets much more nuanced and difficult when we're praying for things that in our minds seem like a good thing. Like, deliver me from this temptation. Or, or relieve some of the stress at work. Or work in my child's heart and his life and, and, and keep him from, from this rebellious state. Or, or help me in my marriage. My marriage is falling apart. Do something. Or help me to, to just be able to work in, in, uh, at work and with stress-free or, or at least be able to evidence and, and show that, that um, God is, is working in my life to, to be an example at work. Those are, all, those are all good things. And when it seems like God isn't answering those prayers, that's when we, we read this and we're like, well, does he give me whatever I ask? 
You've been praying that your situation might change. Your job might be more, more bearable. Your body might heal. But it seems like God isn't answering uh, those prayers. And so it seems at, at times God is either aloof, He's neglectful, He doesn't care. And perhaps you're here and, 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 and you're not even a, a, a believer and, and you see the suffering of the world and you like Ezra Koenig of Vampire Weekend in one of his songs, Yah, hey, he says, through the fire and through the flames, you won't even say your name. Only I am that I am. Or in other words, you make these great claims about yourself, you have these, these great names for yourself, but you don't really seem to come through. You don't come through with, with your promises. And maybe that strikes a chord for, for some of you. That you're going through life, you're going through the stresses of life, you're doing your best, you're, you're bringing this before the Lord, but it doesn't seem like God is answering. It doesn't seem like God really cares for you in your situation. Well, there are a couple things to respond to that. Notice what Jesus says in the beginning. In verse 2, he says, those who produce fruit, he will what? He prunes. Part of the harvest process of growing vines is that the farmer would go through and, and would cut and snip off the, the shoots of, of the plant that wouldn't be producing any fruit so that the larger shoots, the, the bigger shoots, the one that will be producing fruit, will have the energy and nutrients in order to do that. And so he has to go through and, and, he, and he cuts off all of these, these little shoots. And it's a process that's necessary in order for these, these other parts of the plant, in order for those things to bear uh, fruit. And maybe that's the process that, that God is bringing you through. That as you bring these things before the Lord, as you're, you're following after him, and yet God it doesn't seem to be answering the prayers in the way that you want him to, Albeit that desire might be a, a godly desire, but he doesn't seem to be answering it. It's, it's because you're going through this process of God, God pruning you, God, God working in your heart, working in your life to, to help you depend on him, to trust in him. It's not because he doesn't care. It's not because he doesn't love you. It's not because he doesn't want you to, to see you grow. It's actually the opposite, because he does care for you. And he actually knows what's, what's best for you. He can see forward and know what you really need. And his plan for us is, is that we might produce, produce fruit. So as you go through this, even though God may not be answering the prayers in the way you want him to, it doesn't mean that God isn't listening, and it certainly doesn't mean that God doesn't care. But God is, is producing fruit in us, and sometimes he allows us, and, and, and we go through these processes that are painful and stressful and difficult and frustrating in order to produce this fruit in us. And the final thing of this, this life of the vine is that we, we participate and we share in this divine love. Verse 9. Jesus says, As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. In being united to the vine, we, we experience that, that love that, that Jesus and the Father have, have together. That we are brought into uh, that relationship. That we have, we have the love 
of the Father because of what Jesus has done. Despite our sin, despite what we struggle with, despite what we come to the Lord with, that we are loved by God because we are united in Jesus and we, and we are brought into um, that love. And Jesus has shown us that love by laying his life down for us. It says, greater love has no one than this, than he should lay his life down for his friends. In verse 13. And this isn't a, a reciprocal kind of love. This isn't something that Jesus is doing this because we've deserved it. That we have, we have done our part and he's, he's laying down his life for us because uh, we have done something to earn that. That Jesus is doing this out of, out of love. The deepest kind of love because you and I uh, don't deserve uh, that grace. So look, look to Jesus. Don't, don't look at yourself if you wonder if, if God still loves you, if God still cares for you. Don't look at, at your own life. You're only, that'll only result in despair. But we look to Jesus. We look to the one who has, who has shown that love to us. And through that, and knowing that to be true, we know that God does care for us ultimately because he saved us. That despite the situations we might go through, despite how hard and difficult and stressful they may be, that God has shown his love and his care for us. And we know that because he sent Jesus. But even more so than that, that he's still working in us. He's still producing that fruit in us. And it's because of this that we are, we are to produce fruit. That, that divine love, that, that love that we have uh, with God is, is working itself out in how we love uh, one another. And this is the third point, the love that comes from the vine. By this love, the love that we have in Jesus, we have that same, we can love one another. This is why Jesus says in verse 12, he says, this is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. John picks this up later in verse, uh, 1 John 3.23. He says this is, this is his commandment that we believe in the name of, the, of his Son, Jesus Christ, and that we love one another. It's very likely that John was thinking about this encounter with Jesus when he wrote this. And what the, the, what the mark of a, of a Christian, the mark of, of really the church is how we treat one another. Because if we've been so loved by God, we who are sinful we who are worthy of his wrath, we who are worthy of his uh, being cast out and burned, but instead he's, he's loved us by, by sending Jesus to die for us. How much more should we, we, sh- should we love our fellow neighbor and our brothers and sisters in the Lord? So we are founded on that love that God has shown to us in Christ, and then we extend that uh, to one another. Now we can say that and we affirm that, and it's easy to do that when, when we like the person <laughs> or when we get along with the person or they fit our personality or they love us back or they, they show uh, care for us or they do reciprocate the love that we've shown them. It's much, much, much different when they don't love us back, when they hurt us, when they stress us out, when they annoy us when they get under our skin, perhaps even betray us, embarrass us in public. These are the people God has called us to love. 
These are the people that God has, has called us to, to lay down our life for. To love to the point where we are willing to, to give up our life for them. Because that's what God has, has done for us. And one of the beautiful things about this church and, and experience, and I know some of us have experienced this too, is because, of its, because we've, we've grown, we're, we've grown together in, in a smaller size that it creates this attitude of intimacy. That we know each other and we've, we've been getting to know each other over, over these uh, last several months. But the ugly part about that is, is because we're that small, because we're getting to know each other, uh, we sin against each other. We annoy each other. We, we get under each other's skin. I know I've offended some of you, and, and, and some of you have offended me, and, but, but the beautiful thing about that is, we are not, the beautiful thing, the beautiful thing about that is, is that we are, we are grounded, and, and, and are the foundation of, of this church, and of all churches that are believing in Jesus, is we are founded on forgiveness. We're founded on, on, on the greatest story of love that God has shown to us, which is why Jesus doesn't really leave this as, as optional. He's not saying if you feel like loving the person, do it. That this is a call for all of us to, to partake in. And this is why we gather. We don't, we don't gather just to, to hear God's word. We don't gather just to, to come into bounds. We, we, we gather to care for each other, to love one another. This is why we meet throughout the week and have discipleship groups and have mission groups is because we are trying to foster this community where we are showing that, that love for one another. But it doesn't just, just stay in our, in our little community. We want to extend that love. We want to send that love out to other people, which is why we do things like ladle, why we go and we're, we're serving the homeless community and showing them the love of Christ. That's why we call, uh, we're, we're called to go out into our workplace, into our neighborhoods, into our friendships, wherever they may be, and show the love of Christ. Because that's the, that is the love that we've been given in Jesus. And that only comes as we, we are united uh, to him in faith. So regardless of what you're experiencing, regardless of, of what you're going through, God, God cares for you. And God is with you. God knows uh, what you need, and he... Um, is, is there for you and cares for you. So, so remain in Him. Remain uh, in the vine. Don't allow your sin to fill you with shame that you refuse to come to the Lord. Don't allow um, your frustration and anger with your situation to, 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 re- to affect how you view God and, and, and come to Him. But know that He, he cares for you. In this world that is withering and dying, we are called to remain in Jesus, the only source of life and sustenance, so that we might bear the fruit of love for one another. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that your word is not based on my ability, that your gospel is powerful regardless of how it comes out. Lord, I pray that you would fill us with hope and encouragement as we go out into this world and go out into our various communities and show the love of Christ and you would build this church on 
love and the grace that we've been given in him. Praise in Christ's name and for his sake. Amen.